0: Merry, Merry Christmas, People, Church, People, Church, Family, Digital Fam, everybody out there that is watching for the very first time, Merry Christmas. I hope that you are good. I hope that you are well off the back of what has been obviously a wild year. This is still the season uh, to be full of hope, and this is more than simply a season that is ruled by Hallmark cards or by uh, industry, but the reality is this is a moment where As we come across this time of the year, we get to reflect on everything that God has done intentionally from the beginning of time. I want to speak from the subject this morning, this evening, whenever you're watching it, I want to speak from the subject, planted hope, planted hope. We're going to go straight to some scriptures, but before we do, we're going to lift up our faith. We're going to set the tone. We're going to set our expectations. And because I think it's only right that we do. And I think it's only right that we do because expectations are just as powerful as lenses. It's actually the choice of our lens. It's the fact that in the midst of what we might be going through, because I am aware, especially in a year like this one, that not everybody finds themselves in the cheeriest, most like Christmas spirited place. But there is power in understanding that our God moves through seasons and that in the Bible, God's people were instructed to actually celebrate certain things at certain seasons, because they were a remembrance of what God had done, and this is no different. Let's not lose sight that this is obviously not about Santa Claus or just about industry and marketing and you know, all of that kind of stuff, but the reality is this is a season that sparked all of those things, and to that season, it actually should be the cause of hope. It actually should be the cause of, of some faith, of some strength, off the back of What might have been the craziest year for those that have lost people, for those that are always taunted by this time of year, as you maybe look at it as a reflection of all the things that you do not have, let me tell you that after today's message, I believe that we have an answer to what might be unanswerable, those losses, those pains, those hurts. Why? Because I believe this, that well before you and I needed it, God planted hope so that you and I might reap a harvest of what that hope brings us, that you and I could have joy, that's part of the gospel message, that you and I could have peace, that's part of the gospel message. In fact, it says peace that surpasses understanding. And shouldn't we just stop right there for a second? The fact that Romans tells us in Romans chapter one, that it is only by faith that we have the ability to comprehend and understand this gospel, this, 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 this message, this incredible gift that has been given to us. And that is the reality, that it is our hope that is staged on the fact that God has given us a gift planted amongst us so that you and I could have a peace that makes no sense, but we could have it anyway. So I hope that by the end of this message today, as we talk through planted hope, that you and I would find ourselves encouraged by what maybe otherwise has been a point of the year where we feel discouraged because this is the time to be cheerful, full of hope because God has planted hope. Let's go over to, we're going to go straight over to Isaiah 53. And this is a kind of, a window, this is what would be called a, a book of prophecy. It's basically something that is being foretold. And there's a few reasons that God does that. He does that so that once it takes place, we know it was Him. It also brings hope and inspiration and directs us into the things that we should be looking for, waiting for, ready to build on. I want to ask you, what are you looking for and waiting for to build on? Because the truth is you and I can live self-fulfilled prophecy Like, I'll never be happy until, or I can only be happy, or people only accept me. There is a powerful concept that we are seeing here because it is a spoken hope over a hopeless people. So wherever you stand right now, this verse is a powerful verse. It says this, Who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before Him like a tender shoot. And like a root out of dry ground, he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Pretty powerful verse just there. We're gonna go on and read a bit more, but the truth is that there was nothing about Jesus other than the personhood of Jesus that was attractive. Meaning that there was so much coming from him and his majesty and his sovereignty was so apparent that there was something about Him that drew people to Him. I wanna tell you right now that maybe the spotlight and the the spectacular has been taken out of of 2020. The, 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 The base that kicks in during worship has maybe been taken out, but the truth is this, that God attracts us not by those means, but by the reality of a hope that our spirit understands even though our other senses don't seem to be or need to be activated. It's a powerful statement. Because what it tells us is that Jesus actually had something to offer above being relevant, above being cool, above being like a rock star, above being any of these things. What He actually had was a hope that surpassed understanding. And so we pick it up again. It says, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hid their faces, He was despised. And we held Him in low esteem. Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him and afflicted, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him and by His wounds we are healed. This time, although that sounds like an Easter verse is really speaking about the fulfillment of a plan, that God started, it's kind of the harvest of a hope that was planted well before. Let's throw over to John 3.16 because at John 3.16 it's like the beginning of the story that is told to us at the end of the story-ish, kind of one of those movies, you know, where the beginning's the end, the end's the beginning, whatever. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we see what I find so powerful about the Christmas story is that God planted hope on earth through the life of Jesus, knowing that He would bear pain, that He would suffer for the things that you and I might be going through, that you and I might have caused in our own lives. And yet He suffered so that what? So that you and I might have hope. We've got to understand that this season, we celebrate the birth of Jesus because we celebrate the actual birth of hope on earth. The fact that God's plan stopped being a moment of prophecy and started to become a, a, a moment of fulfilment. And so when Jesus landed and He's born, it's like the world that understood what had happened in front of them started to rejoice. Isn't that something powerful? That quite often it's not even the completion of a plan, but the full assurance that it has started. Can I just tell you, the Bible says that he who started a good work with you will finish it. You know, don't draw a lack of courage from the fact that your current season doesn't look like where you want to be, but understand that if God started a work, He does not start something without finishing it at the very same time. So that means that whatever He started in you, it will be finished. And it's such a powerful thought that God loved us so much that He was willing to sacrifice His Son, literally sow Him into a situation that meant the loss of His Son so that He might gain a harvest of children through adoption, Ephesians says, in Christ. When we sit here today, Christians, I want you to not forget the power of this Christmas season. I don't want you to ever stop and think, man, oh, it's not the Christmas I wanted. I think we've got to remember that this Christmas for us signifies the culmination and the beginning at the very same time of hope, not simply becoming a concept that is promised, but an assurance given to us through the birth of Jesus Christ. I want to give you three reasons that you and I through the moment that Jesus was planted here on earth so that you and I might have hope. Three reasons that you and I have to hope, and this is number one, it is that we have a name to place our hope in. A name to place our hope in. You know, it's funny because there's often, you know, I don't know what it is, but the moment that I married my wife is the moment that she took her phone and it's like, hit it somewhere. That whenever I call, she doesn't need to answer. I know why it is, but I could tell you right now that if I was in a situation where I needed to phone a friend, I'm not phoning Audrey. I love you babe, but like I don't know what it is. It's like where is her phone most of the time? Now admittedly, lately we've grown together in marriage and she's back to answering her phone. However, like I am not going to, she's not my phone friend. Now, that kind of plays with the concept of Putting our hope in a name, right? Like, and in many ways, in different struggle seasons of my life, I remember putting my hopes in my natural father and being like, man, God, if I ever am in a bind, I can at least call. And there's certain things that come with maturing that you realize that there are certain situations that there's only one name you can really put your hope in. The Bible says that he sticks closer than a brother. And the truth is that you and I have a name we can call on. There's actually scripture that says that when we call upon the name of Jesus, we are saved. There are stories and accounts around the world of when people call on the name of Jesus, the, that, that circumstances and situations turn around. In the Bible, if you call upon the name of Jesus, that demons would flee. I mean, we've got to understand that this name is more than simply a name. It's a title, And it is his title that you and I, when we speak it, we are speaking hope into our circumstance, speaking hope into this world around us. We got to understand the power of this Christmas season. And it is about giving. And it started with the gift that God gave us of his only son so that we had a name to call on. I'm not proud of this moment, but it's true. When I was 16, flying down a hill, I hit a pole and like my bike starts to flip. And I don't know why. And I'm so glad none of my friends were around. You know, the first name I called out? This is so embarrassing. Maddie's looking at me, I did, it's what you probably think, I was like, I said mama, I said mama, I don't even know why, as a 16 year old, there's something about like, "Ah, I'm in trouble mom, right, it's just like what happens, but how powerful is it that that same instinct can rise within us to call on a name that can save us from all circumstances. I want to tell you that in your deepest and darkest moments, do not, un- do not underestimate the power of the name that was sown on earth so that we would reap a harvest of hope in every crazy season, in every crazy moment. Do not forget to speak the name that is above every other name. That the Bible says that it's, it's these thoughts and different thoughts. Sorry, there's a, there's a passage that says that we should take our thoughts captive Before they turn into a high thing and exalt themselves against the name of Jesus. Sometimes the enemy wants to contest for the name that you put your hope in. And last week we spoke about the wrong side of hope. And I think when it comes to the names we hope in, we could get on the wrong side of that. And sometimes we put all of our hope, meaning we trust that what the names and the titles that have been thrown at us or the sicknesses and things of that nature become, what we really believe is going to manifest which is the truest form of what hope in the Bible is talking about. It's a hope that is an assurance, not so much hopeful. We've got to remember that this name is a name above sickness, it's a name above circumstance, it's a name above impossible, and, G- and God gave us His Son, Jesus. So that we had a name to put our hope on. Hope in number two is this a promise to place our hope on? Not only did he give us the name, but the name is the fulfillment and the seal of the promises that have been given prior. See, you've got to understand that without the name, there was no access to the promises. Jesus is a powerful concept in our in the Bible and why He's an anticipated figurehead as the Messiah is because the Messiah brought the promises. He sealed the promises over our life. So now that we've got a name that we could put our hope in, we've also got promises that we could pour our hope on, that we have a promise for peace. We have a promise for a better day. We have a promise that things can turn around. We have a promise that God works all things. Romans 8.28, to the good of those who love Him. Him, so that we might be transformed to the image of that of Him who called us. I mean, these are crazy, great promises, and I've got to tell you, I'm not saying this is just a sense of religion. I have stood on the back of many lives, many of life's challenges, and understood that because I have a name that gives me access to a promise, that everything is different, everything can change. I want to encourage you: keep hold of your promises. There's importance to understand that your promises, the enemy's going to come for them, life will come for them. And we've got to make sure that we maintain our hope in the fact that our God fulfills promises. He might not always do it as quick as we want to, but God does it, which brings us to our last point. And I think it's important, I would almost call it an understanding of Christian economy, if you will, the way that things move. It is this, a process to build our hope through. Do you understand the process of growth? We're surrounded right now by plants and and just kind of this, imagery that we wanted to bring forth today of the fact that it says in Isaiah 58 that he was a tender shoot, that he was sown and came out of dry places, what is amazing is to think that in the imagery of this greenery that has grown, that has has taken place, the process isn't as beautiful if you actually stop and realise and not sit from the end result, which is where you and I as humans love to live. We love to live at the end result. I don't know that we've become an instant culture as much as an instant culture fits us well. You know what I'm saying? Like an instant culture fits our propensities as humans well. I don't know that we're lazy as much as lazy fits us well. I don't know that the easy route is what we really were built for as much as the easy route fits us well. We want it done, we want it easy, and we want it just given to us. It's just the reality of our ideal. However, that breeds a false perception of the journey towards the better life that we have. Because if we understood the way that these beautiful plants actually came to pass, we would understand that first, before there was a plant, there was nothing but ground. And before that ground turned into a plant or anything, a seed had to get buried deep down into darkness. See, the darkness seasons of our life are not the seasons that we're most comfortable with and we often feel like there's an absence of God's presence However, the reality is that God has done some of His greatest work in the darkness, and He is quite comfortable with it. He created this world in the darkness. He sows seeds down deep before they become sequoias and trees that bring shade. I want you to comprehend and understand that God isn't always instant into doing the instant. Yes, there are moments in the Bible, many, that He does miracles. But even those miracles were in the making of a young boy named Jesus, sown onto earth with a destiny that was greater than any could imagine. With a with you know a responsibility to shoulder that was intense and insane, and although there was an instant in his healing that he brought to some people, he was still in the making. If you if, if you make you know if if you understand that concept, and I, I want to encourage you that the lack of seeing what you want doesn't mean that God's not working on it. See, there's a process to the way that God does things and He does things so that they are sustainable. This is kind of buzzword at the moment that you hear a lot in organisations, in everything basically, it's organic. We get on buzzwords and it's everywhere, right? Like Whole Foods through to like organic teams and organic growth and organic relationships and just organic church, like organic, right? Meaning that it happened. What's so good about organic? Other than the fact that maybe it's the way nature intended it and we found that when things do the process of nature, they end up being better for us and stronger. The nature that God has put before us is that you and I wouldn't simply arrive at our best day in calling, but that we might grow to the strong plants that we need to be and trees, if you will, that can sustain the calling and the places that God wants to take us. There is a process to hope and the Bible speaks about it. This is what Romans says about the process of hope. Let's read it real quick. It says Romans 5, 3 to 4, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character, hope. There is a process to our hope and If you couple that verse with Romans 8.28 that says He works all things together for the good of those who love Him, you've got to understand that God is in the business of longevity. God makes things that last. And if you and I might sometimes feel like we are in barren places, you've got to understand that just because you can't see the process doesn't mean the process isn't seeing you from the moment of planting to the moment of fulfilment. And so I want to encourage you that this season is the ultimate season for us to grab hope. It's a season of hope that is more than a coined Hallmark card, but it's a reality. Why? Because God sent His only Son, Jesus, so that we would have a name to hope in. He gave us promises that we could build our hope on and a process to build our hope through. This is the power of how God does things. I love the imagery of green plants that don't come up overnight. But the great thing about it is that you might not be where you want to be overnight, but God is not done. And to me, This season, the birth of Jesus is a moment of reflection to calibrate, to bring things back in order and therefore bring some things back into some calm and realise that not all things are lost. And yes, it has been a wild ride of a year, a pandemic and everything in between. But here's the thing, our hope is not on whether things go well around us, but the process that God can build hope through us, I want to encourage you as we celebrate this Christmas season, let's be generous because there is no greater generosity than what Jesus did to give His life for us. And I want to encourage you to build your hope, understand that God's got plans and promises that He will fill, that in, in doubt and in need, you can call upon the name of Jesus. Maybe you're standing there saying, Chris, man, this has been one of the toughest years of my life. And if what you're preaching is true, then I need it. Well, the good news is this, God doesn't make it hard to accept Him into your life. He doesn't make it hard to activate that relationship. And He definitely doesn't make it difficult to access those promises. In fact, He has done it in such a way that He has done the hard stuff. And like any good gift at Christmas, the only thing left to do is to receive it. It's that easy, as quick and easy as it is to receive something under a tree, you've got to understand that God has a gift that has been waiting for you and maybe all moments have been leading you to the culmination of this Christmas. This one, the one where you receive the greatest gift, that gives beyond anything you could imagine. It gives peace, the Bible says, that surpasses understanding to all those like me who suffer from anxiety. Let me tell you that that is a gift for those that have found themselves depressed and in great loss. You've got to understand that although our human soul cannot comprehend a way out of it, our God has the ability to see us through it. And if that's you and you are saying, man, I'm ready to try that because I've got nothing left or that's okay because I found myself there as well. So this is what we're going to do. If you're saying, Chris, I need Jesus, then what we're going to do is we're going to pray a prayer. And in that prayer, it's a simple confession that we need Him and understanding that we believe in Him, that He gave His life, Romans says, that we might have ours in abundance, that we might actually be everything that we're called to be. Sorry, Romans tells us that if we believe in our heart, confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ died and rose again. So come on right now, wherever you are, it doesn't matter. We can pray this prayer together and it can be the start of a brand new season. And that's the beauty of this season. It resembles and it resonates with God's ability to bring a brand new start. So come on, let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you in my heart as my Lord and Saviour, I thank you that you planted hope through the name of Jesus. I have a new beginning, a future, and a purpose through a relationship with you. I pray you forgive me of all my sins and that I start fresh, new, and filled with purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, congratulations. There is no better gift that you and I could ever receive in life, let alone this Christmas, I pray that this is the beginning of the best part of your life. And although challenges, they will arise, we know this, that we've got a God that gets us through the things that we're going through. So I want to encourage you. Why don't you plug in, if you're on our in our digital family, then please plug into any church that you can in one of your cities. But if you are here in Chicago, Toronto or Barcelona, Just hit us up, get connected because that's where life starts. And on top of that, if maybe you want to stay in our digital community, you can do so. We've got watch parties popping up and we've got ways that we connect with you. You could just do that through Renee, which you've heard about at the beginning of this service. It will be incredible. Hey, here's a gift that we've got for you beyond the gift of this service is if you made a decision, we want to give you the Book of John. It is a free gift. It is a beautiful piece of literature that is aesthetically put together so beautifully as well. But more than that, it's got a message that is beautiful that'll get you through things. And I wanna encourage you in moments that you feel down, turn to the Word of God, open it up, and I promise you, it'll speak to you, it'll relate to you, and it'll build you beyond what any other relationship can do. Church, we love you. Uh, We can't wait to be together in person. We hope that you celebrate well this end of season with your family and that you lift your eyes up to all the things that are possible, all the things that are waiting for us and all the things that this season could produce. Let's make sure that we finish this season with some good definitions and really look back and define it as a season that built us, that there is more for us. There is more for us to do. God's got plans for us and I want to encourage you the best is ahead of us. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you back here next week.